and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Meghla Bhardwaj, and today I'm joined by Yael Kabili, who is a U.S. attorney, and she's based in Israel. Hi, Yael. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us, Yael. And um, we've known each other for quite a while, and I've been seeing you speak at different conferences and at different webinars. So it's really good that we finally got to connect and uh, talk over here. So we're going to be talking about trademarks and patents on today's episode. And there are quite a few important issues that you're going to be talking about that are very relevant, especially now because we're into Q4 and uh, sellers are going to have a lot of issues with suspensions and, and complaints and other things. So I think it's a very timely topic as well. So before we go into uh, the topic, Yael, do you want to do an introduction and tell us about yourself, your background, and how do you help Amazon sellers? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm originally a trademark lawyer. I've been doing trademarks for 15 years. Um, in 2015, end of 15, uh, I started working with Amazon sellers. Uh, so first on intellectual property issues, trademarks, copyrights, um, and then on suspensions. Um, and then I decided to start a firm that does only IP and e-commerce law, because I saw there were almost no lawyers in that field. Um, today we're 11. Uh, we do, I think 98% of my business is Amazon. Uh, we do like half of the firm does suspensions and, you know, problems on Amazon. And the second half of the firm handles uh, trademark, copyright, patent registration um, and enforcement. Yeah, we have, we have about 4,000 sellers, uh, clients over the world, um, mainly in the U.S. Uh, but also in other countries, Israel, UK, um, China, some of them in India, some of them in Singapore as well. Uh, very few, although um, Australia. Yeah. Awesome. That sounds fantastic. Okay. So let's talk about trademarks and let's say I'm a new seller and I am starting to sell on Amazon and um, how do I do this right? You know, I want to, of course, get my own brand trademark and registered and everything, but what is the right process of going through the entire, um, you know, the, the, what's the right way to do the entire process? Yeah. I mean, uh, today, if you're, uh, if you're a private label, um, it's very difficult to operate without a trademark. So today, most of the private labels know they need a trademark. Uh, without it, they won't get the brand registry. Without it, they cannot remove hijackers. Um, so they do start the process. The best way to do it um, is to first conduct a search to make sure that the, that the trademark is available and do the search that's very, very important. Do the search before you manufacture. At the beginning, when you choose the name, at that point, you should do the search. And the reason for that um, is, is that we cannot change the trademark later. So if, for example, and we have a lot of cases like that, if you choose a name, you manufacture, you start selling on Amazon, you start getting reviews, then you come to us, you want a trademark. We do a search and we tell you, sorry, we cannot register a trademark because it's already taken. Today, you cannot just change the brand to another brand and, you know, and keep your listings with the reviews and everything. What you have to do is actually to start a new listing, a separate listing and do everything all over again. Um, so 
I really advise sellers, you know, most of the lawyers actually include the search in the registration cost. So for example, if you come to us before, uh, be, be, when you manufacture, before the registration at the beginning, we do the search and then those uh, $180 is then retracted from the registration cost. So it doesn't even cost you more. And, and then you know, um, and then you know if the trademark is available, and you know that you can continue manufacture, sell, and then uh, go to an attorney and register your trademark. Um, it's important to register the trademark in the specific country where you're selling. So if you're selling on Amazon.com, please don't register in the UK or Germany or some other countries uh, where it may be cheaper. Because when you'll have a hijacker, or when you have a counterfeiter, somebody using your trademark, you need a trademark in the specific country. Otherwise, Amazon doesn't do anything. So very important to do a search. Um, and then you, you apply for a trademark. Most of the authors didn't know what they're doing. I mean, there's uh, today there's also the accelerator. So when we file through the accelerator, what happens is that instead of waiting seven to nine months uh, to get the brand registry, you get it two weeks from, from the date you applied for it. So two weeks, you know, within two weeks, you basically get the, the brand registry, uh, which allows you to use all the tools, you know, the advertising tool, the EBC, uh, A plus content, etc. cetera. Uh, but uh, it doesn't allow you to remove uh, counterfeiters because you don't have the registration yet, but at least you have the brand registry and and you can use those tools. So, um, so I think it's very important for uh, for private labels um, when you sell the business later. Uh, you know, you really wanna you you really wanna have a trademark. That's I guess the first thing that uh, buyers are looking at. Do you have a trademark? Where's your trademark? Otherwise, they won't buy it. Right. So when I'm looking for a brand name, you know, a couple of things. So first of all, would you suggest that sellers should come up with a generic brand name that can be used across product categories? That's one question. And then how do they go about doing a search to find out if that brand name is already registered? Yeah. So, um, so generic name, it depends what you mean. So if, for example, uh, the name that you come up with is uh, great phone covers, which is very generic, and you sell phone covers, then your trademark will be rejected because it's too generic. People will, I mean, they will not give you monopoly over a word that everybody uses, right? I mean, if you're selling computers, and you take over the trademark great computers, imagine all the other sellers of computers um, that will not be able to use that name. So the, the USPTO rejects, and all other countries, by the way, they reject generic and descriptive names. So, but you can use uh, suggestive names, like, um, I don't know, um, Logitech, for example, that's, uh, that's a suggestive name, right? It's, uh, it kind of suggests, but not that much. Um, it, Apple is, uh, is not at all descriptive. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a great name because you don't sell Apple. If, you, if you're selling apples, then that's a descriptive name. But if you're selling computers or phones, then that's an amazing name. So I think for sellers, the best is to use a name that I think you meant when you, you're saying generic, you meant that it doesn't relate to one specific product, right? Yes, that's what, yes. you said, that's what I so meant. So you won't have to read 
register every every second a new yeah. trademark. So yeah. that's exact that that makes sense. So if if you register you know, uh, like the trade beautiful butterflies. I mean, I'm just making it up, and it's a bad name, and yeah. it won't probably. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. something generic like that, you know, like yeah. beautiful something, or yeah, you know, that yeah, can be yeah. used red, across. Red butterflies, okay. Yeah. Red butterflies could yeah. be a great trademark for anything. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so that that's good because you have the trademark, you have the brand registry, you can use it for uh, for other products. So, if for example, you use it for bottles. And then later you want to sell, I don't know, uh, a phone cover, although it's a different category, the brand registry will remain. So you have the brand registry here, you have it hit there. Uh, you do want to register it in the second category later so that you'll be protected against, you know, people jumping on, on your listing. So again, while you'll have the brand registry, they don't care about the category when it comes to brand registry. When it comes to infringement, they do look at it. So they want to see that you have a trademark in the specific category for the specific name. So if, for example, you've registered uh, red butterflies uh, for bottles, okay, and it's registered, you get the registration, you finished, you have a listing, then you open a new one uh, for uh, phone covers, then you'll have the brand registry for the phone covers and you'll have to apply for another trademark, red butterflies in the category of uh, phone covers. And once you finish that registration, you can also enforce that second listing and remove uh, hijackers. So that's how it works, but it does make sense to use the same name so that you'll always have the brand registry. Right, makes sense. And okay. how do you do a search? Yeah, yeah, how do you do a search? Yeah, and can you do a search yourself or is it always better to go via an attorney to do a search? Yeah. It's a good question because, you know, at the end, it doesn't sound, whatever I'll say sounds bad because I'm an attorney, but <laughs> I think that, you know, most of most of our clients uh, don't do a proper search because they, they usually look for the name. For example, if, you're, uh, if your trademark is uh, tenor, okay, um, then most of the sales would just look for tenor, right? And that's it, uh, although, the law talks about likelihood of confusion. So if there's someone, if you're selling microphones under Tenor and there's someone uh, registered for a microphone for Tenora, okay? It's confusingly similar. Now, most of our clients, and I understand why they're not, you know, attorneys, um, they would only look for their name. So Tenora, they would probably miss. And this is where they come to us later and they say okay i want a registration and we're saying sorry there's tenora it's super close to yours you want to get a trademark i'm not going to charge you to get the registration that will fail um so if you're doing a search actually we can do one just quickly to show you um to show you how uh, how it's best to do it if you're doing it yourself basically it's important um to to cover a similar trademarks so for example uh let me just uh, no yeah so for you guys listening um yael is now going to share her screen and uh, we're going to do some searching over here yeah, you can also watch the video on youtube if you want to take a look at the screens yeah go ahead yeah right so i went so what i do is i go to uspto.gov we're going to do it just a second to show you i'm not gonna teach you how to do searches, but if you go to uspto.gov and you press on trademark, uh, then you press here on the search, 
okay? Um, and you can choose the first search, which is a basic search. Uh, now, if the trademark that I want is tenor, um, right? Uh, so I would search for tenor or tenora or tenoro, or you see what I mean? Like every mm -hmm. possible, uh, you know, every possible combination or tenor, et cetera, et cetera. We use, obviously, we use the more complex tools so that you want to have to think of, uh, of crazy combinations. Here, I would uh, choose live so that I don't focus on dead. Dead trademarks are not important because they don't block you. So I choose live. And then I see all the tenor combination. I would continue. And then when you see the trademarks, um, you have to go ahead and, you know, press on them and see what, what is the feel. So if you're selling microphone and there's tenor for dinerware, that's not, that, that doesn't concern me because it's in another category and there's no likelihood of confusion. Remember, likelihood of confusion is the test. So if I go back, um, let's see here, tenor, computer application software for, for mobile phone. Uh, here it gets closer. Uh, it gets a little closer. So you should review and read everything. And then you go one by one, uh, you know, you have a lot of them uh, to review and make sure there's nothing in your field, okay? Um, so, and if you have something that's closed, then, you, you know, you can consult with the lawyer or, or just move on to the, to the next name. Um, so it's always good to do a search by the way to do it yourself even before you go to a lawyer because sometimes you'll just kill the the name yourself and you know and you save the you save the search so so maybe start with the search yourself uspto.gov um and then and then move on to a professional search or just take the risk and um, and uh and you know and move on with your product yeah. So is it just uh, USPTO where they need to do a search or is it also a good idea just to do a search on Google and see if there are other you know, companies out there or it doesn't really matter? I mean, as long as the brand is not trademarked, it doesn't matter if it's already out there. Actually, in the States, uh, there are common, you know, common law rights, which means that if I've been using uh, the trademark tenor for uh, two years, you know, selling microphones in New York, even if I didn't register it, I have rights. So um, if you go ahead and register your trademark, you'll probably succeed, by the way, the, the examiners don't look outside of the USPTO, but then I can cancel your trademark and I can even claim that you're infringing my trademark. So it's always a good idea. That's also something that you know, most of the sellers do that. They do search if there's a similar name uh, on Google. So do a Google search, um, do a, tra a trademark search on the USPTO. If you're gonna sell in Europe as well, then do a search on the European database, you know, same way as I showed you. Just remember to look for uh, similar names. That's, that's the issue, that's where, uh, where it's difficult. Right. And I think, of course, the other things that you want to consider is uh, whether or not um, um, a URL is available. I think you want to make sure that you have, you know, a good URL for your brand and social media handles and all of those things are important as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, URL, yeah. By the way, today, it's not so much about the domain, you know, if you if you're selling Tenor, you know, Tenor microphones and uh, Tenor.com is taken, it doesn't mean that you won't take the name, you know, sometimes yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
you'll choose tenormicrophones.com, uh, right? Exactly. Or tenor.microphone. Tenor I mean, today there are so, uh, there are so many ex new extensions, so uh, it's endless. At the end, it's about your advertising and pushing your website, less about your, uh, the name of your dom domain name. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, so what next? So now I've got my, um, I've decided on my brand name and I've done a search. So how do I go about registering it? And it's different for uh, businesses based in the US and people outside of the US, right? Yeah, um, so if you're a US, law, uh, US resident, uh, you could register the trademark yourself and do it, do it on the USPTO. Um, again, you know, it depends how savvy you are. And if you wanna, if, if you do it, then, you know, watch a lot of YouTubes of how to do it and how to properly classify it. I think most of the, you know, sellers, for them, it's important that it will go smoothly and, and that it will be filed correctly uh, so that they get their trademark as soon as possible and they do it through lawyers anyway. Uh, for foreigners, it's not even possible. They cannot do it themselves. So they need a, they need a US attorney. Um, so unless you have experience with that, or, you know, I do have a client that, um, that like to learn uh, and they can watch videos for like two, three days uh, and become, uh, you know, very savvy about trademarks and, so unless you're that, then just give it to an attorney and uh, have someone do it for you, I guess. Right. And then what are some of the things that we need to have before we go ahead and uh, register the, the brand? For example, do we need to have packaging that shows the brand name on it or a website or what are some of the things that we need to yeah. have ready? So uh, for the USPTO, um, to get a registration, eventually you need to show use. Um, so a you, you actually provide a specimen of use. Uh, so what you do is you, we usually provide a screenshot of your, uh, your uh, Amazon page to show that you're actually using the trademark um, and selling goods under this trademark or we show your packaging. A packaging is not a must. I mean, I can use, I can use your, uh, your listing and, and that would be fine as long as you're actually selling. Uh, but to get a trademark, you need to sell. So it doesn't mean that you have to file it when you're already selling. You can file it at the beginning based on intent to use. And then later, uh, you know, after a few months, then you can just submit the declaration of use and say, okay, I started selling, here's my specimen of use. You won't get your trademark until you uh, you use it. So there are some people who apply for it and then ask for extensions, and then two years later they uh, they submit the specimen of you know of use, uh, and then they get a trademark. Um, but the U.S., by the way, is one of the only countries that's doing that. They don't want people to just hijack trademarks without using it. Um, in other countries, you don't see that. In Europe, you can hijack whatever you want. <laughs> Same in China. By the way, it's um, that's a that's an important topic. Um, I don't know if you've heard, have you heard of people uh, having their trademark hijacked in China? Yes, a lot. Big companies. Yeah. I mean, not not just small brands. It happens to big yeah. companies because in China they are first to file and yeah. not first to use. Whereas mm -hmm. in the U.S., it depends on yeah the usage of the brand, but 
Yeah, China. And it's very tricky sometimes because suppliers will register your brand and then your products will not be allowed to leave the country and, you know, customs exactly. can actually stop your products. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, a lot exactly. of bigger buyers. Problem. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a huge problem that we've seen in the last two years. Um, it starts with a, an innocent email that our client receives. Hi, we're a law firm in China. Uh, we noticed that somebody filed for your trademark. Uh, we can help you and file an opposition. Um, there are, all, of course, they're suspected to work with that uh, hijacker, right? Um, yeah. So we can f- help you. And then they come to us and we look at it. And obviously, someone has indeed uh, filed for a trademark. So what we do is usually we file an opposition. In most cases, we show that. Uh, this hijacker has already hijacked tons of trademarks and is not acting in good faith and that we had prior rights. And most cases are uh, actually, we, we actually succeed, but it takes a few months. Um, and in some cases, uh, you know, if you want to get it fast, then you would buy it from that hijacker, unfortunately. So for example, I had a client who's in the process of uh, a sale of the business um, and that happened during the sale. So he had no choice but to buy the trademark from that guy. Um, and it costs around 10K. So, wow. um, yeah. So uh, you don't want to get there. So just go ahead and register a trademark in China to prevent that from happening. Uh, very important if you, uh, if you manufacture in China. Um, if somebody takes your trademark, um, as you just said, you know, you, they can prevent you from, uh, from taking the goods outside of China. So uh, very important. That's very risky. Exactly. And um, I think that the time to trademark in China is, you know, as you start scaling, maybe yeah. while you're just starting out, it's not necessary. But as you're scaling, I think you should do that. And it's not difficult to register a trademark in China. I mean, there are you know, attorneys, maybe you're, do you offer services in China as well? To... Yeah, we have associates in China. We follow yeah. through them. I yeah. think every firm has it today because it, it becomes very important. And I absolutely agree 100%. Uh, when a seller starts, it's not the first place I would uh, I would file like focus on the U.S. Um, by the way, hijackers focus on larger sellers. They don't focus on small sellers. So only exactly. once you succeed, they'll take your trademark. <laughs> uh, so um, so yeah, in later stages, as you said, start you know keep it in mind. At the beginning, they have so many expenses, so uh, that's not one of the first. Right. Okay, so that was a good discussion about trademarks and uh, brands and everything. So let's talk about copyrights. So what exactly does copyright include and how do you avoid infringements of copyright? Yeah, um, there are a lot of, infri- I think this is the, the most common infringement that we see, um, you know, with trademark. Trademarks and copyrights are the most common. Um, what you need to, to know basically about copyrights is that um, um, it includes text, photos, and graphic designs. Okay, text, photos, and graphic designs. So, text and photos, you know, think of a book, right? Everybody thinks when you think about the copyrights, you usually think about some paintings of someone, right? A painting, or uh, you think about a, uh, a book, right? So, when I write a text, when I write a book, I have copyright in that book. 
even without any registration uh, of that text. Okay, so I wrote a book. You cannot just simply copy my book and use my paragraphs and wording, right? Same goes for photos. Even without a registration, remember that. Even without a registration, if I I took some photos and I put them on your, on my listing, you cannot take them and use them on your listing because you would be infringing my copyrights. And if that happens, by the way, I can you know give you a link of how how to do it very quickly. If that happens, I can file a complaint within two minutes um, and remove your photos from your listing, and sometimes even remove your entire listing because you use my photos. Um, so the very important thing to remember about copyrights is that you have the rights without a registration. You can register, that's a separate thing, but that's only you know, to have like an evidence, but really the rights are there. So if I took a picture, if I wrote a book, if I wrote bullet points on my listing, these are mine. If you use them, I can remove your listing. Um, and if my son has drawn some, you know, some ugly picture, uh, he's not that talented. Uh, he has copyright in that. So, um, you know, whatever you create uh, that's photos, uh, graphic designs or paintings or things like that, these are all copyrights. Um, if you have, for example, I have here, like look at that bag, I'm showing a bag uh, of, uh, of my laptop. It has like a graphic design on it. This graphic design um, has, is, is protected. So you cannot use my graphic design with the same flowers um, and just put it on your product, even if it's a different product. Um, so that I think that once you understand that, you want to infringe any copyrights. So just don't take photos from others, even your supplier. Sometimes the supplier tells you, these are my photos, you can use it. And then you use it. And then you get a complaint from someone and turns out these are not his photos. These are photos of a prior client of his. So never use a, a photo from your supplier. Just use your own photos. Um, the text, don't take like full sentences from your competitor. This is a great way to be removed. Um, so just, you know, take your own copywriter. There are amazing copywriters in our industry that can help you write your, uh, your listing, but you can also do it yourself. Just don't use others. Um, you can use a word here and get inspired, but not you know, entire sentences um, and the graphic design, super, super important. We see a lot of them, for example, you know, people selling paper plates, um, they, mm -hmm. they fall a lot. I mean, they use graphic designs on those plates that they find on the internet or on other people's listing. And they tell me, I, I searched and there were no copyrights, but there's no need to do any search. If you use the graphic design and it's the same, you're infringing. Very simple, very, very simple. And what's interesting is that the same goes for you. If you have a graphic design and you know, and you design something, you own the copyright. So first of all, you can remove anybody that's using yours. And also if you want, you can have, you can go ahead and register copyrights in the US uh, that gives you some kind of evidence that you own it, but it's not, it's necessary only if you're gonna sue someone. When you sue someone in the US, when you file a lawsuit, you need that registration, it's required. Uh, but if you're not going to sue anybody and you're just filing complaints on Amazon, you don't need a registration. Very important and very easy, right? You not just don't use it. Right. So how do you register a copyright and on what 
aspects, I mean, specifically related to Amazon. So let's say I have images. Can I register a copyright for my images and where do I do that? I mean, is that also with the USPTO or is there a separate organization for that? Because I know for for publications, there's a separate organization that where you go and file, right? Yeah, it's the same one. It's called copyright.gov. Uh, it's not the USPTO it's the it's copyright.gov it's it's a separate website where you do it Um, it costs like you know the 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 official fee the governmental fee is like 55 dollars per per work Um, actually registration of photos I think it's a kind of waste of money um, because I mean these are the photos you have copyrights in them you're probably not going to sue anybody for for the photos What's important maybe to register is, um, you know, those that have actually designed something for their product. So as I said earlier, like the design on on my bag or the paper plates with amazing graphic designs or, you know, anything that you've designed and that's special, that I would copyright. This I would copyright, you know, only if it's selling well um and it's a good product and you know and there are no problems with it so uh you can go ahead again not maybe not one of the first expenses but when your your business becomes serious um and for buyers by the way i always go back to uh to to the end to the exit uh, part because i have that separate company that deals with exit but we see that a lot the you know intellectual property is super important uh to buyers uh, when they look at it and they see if you don't have a trademark in the U.S., it's a disaster. Um, if you if your trademark was hijacked in in China, it's a problem. And if you have patents, if you have copyrights, it's it's more you know the multiples go up, so uh, so the value of your business go up. Um, and it doesn't cost much to register those, and and it's really um, it's really an advantage, I think. For right. those who know what they have in you know yeah yeah absolutely and um also if somebody has um you know for example if they're developing a fabric or a fabric-based product i think uh, you know the patterns there or maybe even if they're doing merch right merch products like t-shirts or other things um okay just going back to trademarks um what is the approximate cost to register register a trademark because i've heard different people give out different numbers. There was somebody recently who posted in a Facebook group that he was charged over $2,000 by a lawyer and they had to like go back and forth and, you know, file, uh, maybe the lawyer filed in one category first, but then it wasn't available. They had to file another one or, or I don't know what happened, but they had to go back and forth and it cost like over $2,000, but typically how much should it cost and what are some of the pitfalls to avoid? It depends if it goes smoothly or not. Okay. Uh, you know, if everything goes well, then most of the attorneys charge between, you know, 550 to, to 650 of uh, service fees. And then there's the, the, the official fee that's 275. So usually it's, it's not more than a thousand, right? In mm-hmm. most cases. But what if you haven't done a search and you haven't asked your attorney to do a search? Uh, a lot of attorneys ask for, uh, you know, I've heard crazy numbers of attorneys asking for 1500 for a search and things like that. So um, if you know, and most of the sellers think they've done a great job searching their 
trademark, right? So they go ahead and they register that tenor trademark uh, for microphone um, and they apply for it. And then three months later, they get a rejection from the examiner um, saying that there's tenora, okay, in that same field and it's rejected. So if you want to argue against the examiner's objection, for example, if you think it's not right because you're selling tenor microphones and they're selling tenora, um, I don't know, software for whatever, and for some reason the examiner thought that it's, uh, it's similar, then we usually write uh, arguments that explain why the examiner is wrong and you should get the trademark. So that, you know, that can be a 10 page document with, you know, with legal cases and explanations. So this can go up to, you know, another 1500. Um, I think that you shouldn't get there it, in, you know, we, we have 96% of success rate, not because we're geniuses, because we do the search. And when I see the problem, I'll tell you in advance. So even if your lawyer didn't suggest that you do a search, do the search super, super important because you, you also avoid those problems and extra costs and, you know, and trademarks that you didn't think about. If you do a search, this tenora would come up. So you would never get to the point where you're paying extra 1500 for a 10 page document. You, you wouldn't file it in the first place. Um, so, um, so very important. I think, you know, these are the ranges more or less. Um, I've heard of more, but usually it's when things go wrong. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can't blame the, the, only the attorney because, you know, some, some attorneys do suggest the search and, and the client doesn't want to search because he thinks he's done a great search and, and people start, you know, getting complicated. Right. Makes sense. Okay. So then let's move on to patents. So that's, yeah. of course, not everybody needs a patent. It's a very small number of sellers who would really uh, need a patent. But, um, you know, how do you actually go about protecting a product? And when should you actually require a patent for your product? And how do you yeah. know if there is already a patent, you know, on, yeah. on the product? That's, you know, there are, as a, just like copyrights, there are two things that you can, you should think of when you think of patents. Do I, do I infringe a patent? Uh, and can I register a patent? So, you know, private label, when you think of it, is it, it has risk of, uh, of uh, patent registration, patent infringement, because what do they do, private labels? They, they search on Amazon and, you know, Jungle Scout and Helium 10, they search for, uh, for great products, right? So first, so, so let's, let's say they found this uh, amazing bottle that I'm holding here uh, that has a speci special shape and that you can open and everything. Um, so they found it, uh, they see it selling very well, not a lot of competitors, they wanna sell that product um, and they label it and they call it Cupco, okay? Um, that's the brand, that's the brand of my bottle here. Um, so, so, um, so let's say they, they found a great supplier, they're changing it, they're making it better, great, uh, great colors, um, and then they start selling, and then boom, turns out that the original designer of that barrel has registered a patent or a design patent. Um, and what happens there? Then, you know, then you need to, to, make, to see if that's actually infringing. And if it's infringing, you need to go to the owner of the patent and see if you can come up with a, like a license agreement where you pay them for the patent they have. 
in some cases, it, you know, there are sad stories where people, you know, got, you know, had uh, like 5,000 units and, and then they got stuck with that patent complaint and the complaint didn't want to hear anything and didn't want to get into, uh, you know, any license and they needed to find another way to sell those units. So they usually go to other countries where there's no patent and there are other solutions, but it's hard. So I always suggest very, very important um, to, to, to do at least your own patent search. Um, you know, if you're an advanced seller, uh, then you can probably afford a real patent search for your, uh, for your uh, product. If you're a, a new seller, you know, sometimes again, these expenses and expenses and expenses that it's hard to, uh, to keep up. So, um, so at least do your own search. And when, you know, doing a patent search isn't easy, but let's start with, with the basic search of, of, of the original owner. So if, for example, I, you know, I know that um, I'm um, going to, uh, to start selling a bottle that's super similar to the Camelback bottle. Do you know the Camelback brand? Yeah. Uh, so let's say that I'm going, I, I want to sell a bottle that looks exactly like theirs, right? So I'm going to go on Google patent or I'm going to go on regular Google. You know, there's a Google patent, like uh, Google just for searching patents. Um, so I'm going to go there and write Camelback patents and see what kind of patents they have. So if I go on Google search and write Camelback, I'm going to see a lot of patents that they have. And I'm going to review and see if I have that particular bottle that I want to sell. And if, the, and if it's there, then I know there's a patent and there's a problem and I really need to change it completely so that uh, I won't be infringing. So my advice is, you know, if you're not going to do a professional search, at least do a search that focuses on the original designer or original seller of the product you're going to sell. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's not always easy, by the way, to find the first one, but with the research, you know, you take the top three or top five on Amazon, um, you, eventually you get to the original one and very often they've registered patents. So best way not to infringe patents is first of all, to do a search and second to change the product. Okay. Mm -hmm. So uh, even if there's a patent on that bottle, okay. If I changed it and you know, I removed, I, I'm not sure if you can see, I removed the dots that you have here and I changed this part, you know, and then here it's rounded, more rounded and I added more stripes and the whole thing looks different. Then at least I did not infringe the, the, the second part, second type of patent, which is the design patent. Um, design patent protect the shape of a product. So uh, a lot of uh, products on Amazon are protected by design patents. You know, people like this bottle, for example, is probably prote protected by design patent. They protected the shape, the external shape of the product. Mm -hmm. um, so, so as I said, the more you change it, your risk goes down. Okay. Yeah. So how Again, much do I need yeah. to change it? I mean, is there, are there any guidelines? Like if I can change, you know, one or two features or up to, is there a number or a percentage or how different should it be from the original yeah. patented design? It, it, it's a good question. So first of all, there's a difference if there's a utility patent and, uh, and a design patent. A utility mm -hmm. patent is more, you know, it's more general. So it's, you know, it's sometimes hard to uh, kind of bypass the, the utility patents. 
but the design patent is much easier to, uh, to kind of circumvent. So if, for example, you have, there's no real number, right? But if you have six changes that are significant and not, you know, not just the, the top of the, you know, of the, of the bottle or just uh, the, change two or three dots. If the whole thing looks different because you changed six things and, and at the end, the whole product looks different, then it's hard to remove you. Um, the, the test, the test, the legal test is substantially similar. So okay. if there's the design patent and you're selling something that's substantially similar, you're still infringing. But if it's, you know, there are so many differences that it's not substantially similar, then you wouldn't be infringing. It's, it's hard to tell, you know, at the end, it's in the eyes of the judge, right? So for some Amazon representative, you know, those two bottles will look uh, very similar and it's substantially similar. And for other, uh, for other representatives, um, it looks different. If I show you here, I'm not sure if I can, I have two of those models actually. Yeah. Uh, I haven't prepared that in advance, but just uh, <laughs> so, you know, you can see the differences here, right on the top. So is that substantially similar or not? You know, if you look at it, the entire bottle looks similar. It's just the top. I don't think it's enough to, you know, to go around that pattern. So you need more than that. Um, right. That's a, a general uh, reply. But the, the more you change, not only the, the risk is lower, but also you'll probably be able to register your own patent. So goes back to your question. Um, who can register a patent? So a design patent that covers the shape. If you design something and it's new and you've designed it, not someone else, you know, you haven't taken something from, uh, you know, someone else, then you probably you can register a design patent. If it's a new shape, if you have a new microphone, if you've designed, I don't know, a new bottle or a new camera or a new uh, pillow, um, then you can probably register it. Um, so even, you know, even if you didn't invent the wheel, like you took a product that already existed, but you changed five different things and one of the feature is great. And this is what, you know, what sells most likely you can get a design patent. It's not that expensive. And, um, and this, as I said earlier, it has a lot of value when, you know, when you exit, when you sell your business and in general, it's great because you can remove, uh, you can remove, uh, you know, people copying your, uh, your product. Right. Makes sense. Wow. That was a lot of information. Yeah. So trademarks, <laughs> copyrights, patents, we can go on <laughs> for yeah. a whole day over here. So great. Um, Yael, do you also want to tell us your, um, you know, your own services and how can people contact you and uh, what sort of services do you offer for Amazon sellers? So we, um, as I said earlier, we, we do everything related to intellectual property. So we register trademarks and copyrights and patents and design patents and, you know, everything that's related. Uh, we also help with, uh, with problems on Amazon. So if you're suspended for, uh, for trademark patents, et cetera, but also all other, you know, for variation misuse or ODR or inauthentic or anything, um, that's basically what, what we do and we're very busy with. Right. And uh, what's the best way for people to contact you? 
Um, it, you can, you know, you can reach me on Facebook or uh, on uh, on our website or my email. It's yael at e-kabili.com. Right. And we'll put the uh, email address in the show notes as well so that people can contact you. Well, Yael, thank you so much for your time today. It was a great conversation, a lot of learnings. And um, I hope we can meet soon once uh, COVID ends and all of the conferences start. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Yeah, thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Thank you.